Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Oh, amen. Thank you, ladies. Well, good morning, church. Sure good to see you on this beautiful Sunday morning. Isn't it nice out? Huh? Are you here? Amen. Good. Good. Glad you're here. Join me, if you would, in the book of Jeremiah this morning, chapter number one. Jeremiah chapter number one. Every once in a while, God blesses me with a reminder from the past. And I looked out this morning and saw several people that I pastored when I was a young man 10 years ago. And dear, dear, dear friends, and, and uh, just it's always good to see them. Uh, one is Jonathan Autry and his wife Janine, who are now missionaries in the Dominican Republic. And John has kind of almost been like a surrogate child to me and uh, known him for a long, long time. Remember him when he was just a, a young fella, you know, and, and then he met one of the choice young ladies of our church, and they got married, became missionaries in the DR, and now they have beautiful family. And, uh, and then uh, Ann and Linda are here, and so it's a treat. Isn't that nice, Nicole, Jason, to see these folks? And so we pastored together, well, I pastored them back in Pennsylvania a lot of years ago, and it's just a treat to see them this morning. And uh, we're glad to see everybody here. If you're visiting with us, we are honored to have you and glad you have chosen to worship with us this morning. Jeremiah, did you find Jeremiah? Chapter 1. You know, we live in, a, in an age, think about this with me, we live in an age where it's kind of, it's kind of like an age of marketing. You know, um, there are, every time we turn around, we are bombarded with these uh, catchy slogans, right? And I'm into them. I love slogans. I love one-liners. I love things that get your attention, you know? And uh, the marketing world is filled with geniuses. I mean, these, these folks are geniuses, and they do their homework because they come up with these catchy slogans, and these catchy slogans get in your mind. Did you ever hear a jingle? You know what a jingle is? It's a little catchy, you know, tune, you know? And, and man, it gets in your head, and you sing it all day, or you whistle it all the time, Right? Uh, if I walk through the office back here and, and Carrie's talking about a song or I hear something for the next 35 minutes, I'm whistling it or singing it, you know, or humming it or thinking it. And, and that just seems to be the way it is. Uh, let me give you an example because you look like you're clueless this morning. Uh, we've been told by Disney that their parks are the happiest places on earth. Right? Uh, we, uh, we've been told by Nike to just, just do it. 
You didn't need much help for that, right? Just do it. Uh, BMW tells us Steve knows that their cars are the, <laughs> say it, Steve, <laughs> the ultimate driving machine. He didn't even hesitate, man. If you're a BMW driver, you bought into it. <laughs> it's the ultimate driving machine. Um, we're in good hands if, wow, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. If Allstate is our insurance company, we are in good hands. Uh, Capital One wants to know what's in your wallet. Yeah, so does my wife. What's in your wallet? <laughs> Amen. Uh, Wheaties is the... And everybody runs on... Close your Bibles. It's time to go home, man. You, you passed the test. But there's a slogan that I think, at least for me, has caught the attention of the Christian world of late, and it's, he gets us. Look at the screen. Have you seen that around? No, he gets us. And, and it's kind of like, I remember back in the day where there were, the, you remember the sign guy? Every sporting event, when I was growing up, there was the sign guy, and he would, he would hold up the sign, John 3.16, right? I mean, you see him everywhere, you know, and sometimes he'd wear, you know, some kind of a different colored wig and, you know, whatever, the sign guy. Well, this slogan, in fact, it's a campaign, has showed up everywhere. How many, raise your hand. Have you seen this? Have you seen this? It's TV commercials. Uh, it's on billboards. My wife and I were watching the Phillies game last week, and it, on the one side, because now they have these electronic signs, the pitchers can't see them. You can only see them on TV. Uh, but on the one side, it said, um, what did it say? Jesus had teammates too. And on the other side, it said, he gets us. He gets us. So you, you've seen this, right? And it's a catchy slogan. It was, it was, it's, only, it's only a year old. It was, uh, the campaign started in 2022, just last year. And um, it's, uh, it was produced by what's called the Christian Servant Foundation. And it, 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 the Christian Servant Foundation is, it's a nonprofit organization funded by anonymous donors. I know some of the donors. Um, and, and so, but, but and it, 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 it's, it's just growing, isn't it? And I'm not sure if you've seen some of their ads. Well, they have a mission statement. Uh, this is their purpose. Look at it. Here, here's their mission statement. Our focus is on helping people see and consider Jesus as he's shown in the Bible. Look at that. You may want to take out your phone and take a picture of that. Uh, our focus is on helping people see and consider Jesus as he's in the Bible. Uh, he gets us and he loves us. And that includes people on all sides of the issue. Think about that. Let that soak in for a second. I'm not going to say we. I'm not going to say we, but I'm going to say I agree with that. I don't have a hard time with that. Huh? I, I think that's on point. Uh, their folk, now, this is their mission statement. This is not our mission statement. This is their mission statement. Their focus is on helping people see and consider Jesus as he's shown in the Bible. 
I think that speaks volumes. Because there are, in our world, a lot of different Jesuses. Huh? And people try to make him something that he's not. Correct? Some, some, some include Jesus to be, you know, oh, I don't want to go there because I don't want to turn you off. But sometimes I think in our society we make Jesus somebody that he's not. I like the fact that they say we, we're helping people to see and consider Jesus as he's shown in the Bible. And when you read the Bible, it's true, it's true, it's absolutely true, he gets us. He gets us, and he loves us. Look here, today, I hope you feel loved by Jesus. I hope when you walked into, um, when you drove onto the property, even though our parking lot's a mess, we're going to fix that real soon, by the way. I hope you felt loved. I just felt, I hope you felt the peace of God. And as you came in these doors and were greeted by our lovely greeters and ushers, I hope you felt welcomed and loved because that's the whole intention, right? To feel accepted because we don't live in a very accepting world, you know? You got to fit in someplace. You don't have to fit in here. You can be who you are and be accepted here. You come just as you are. Aren't you glad? Huh? Uh, sometimes you'll see men with ties. Sometimes you won't. Right, Tony? <laughs> I picked that up for you, Bob. I know he hits on you and Steve all the time. Uh, and so, you're, you, you know, we're, we're, it, I, I agree with that. And he gets us and loves us, and that includes all people on all sides of these issues. And so I, I really believe that as a, as a slogan or as a campaign, it works. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. I want to break that, I want to break that he gets us down yes. and talk about it. Can we do that? Yes. Are you with me? Let's talk about it for a few minutes. Father, I pray that you'll bless our time together. Might the message this morning be helpful? May it be instructive? May it be challenging? May it be encouraging? May it be just what we need for today? We pray this in Jesus' name. And amen. Take your Bibles and look in Jeremiah chapter number 1 with me. And look just at verse number 4. Jeremiah 1 verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, Jeremiah speaking, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, we can go a lot of directions with that one Bible verse, but I, I just want to pinpoint this. I, want to, I brought that up just to say this. In the very beginning of God's dealing with Jeremiah, by the way, even though in the text he's called a prophet, he was born into this world just like you and me, right? And, and he, had, he had everything that a human has. And the Bible says God's speaking in this text he says, God says to Jeremiah in the very beginning, I know you. I know all about you. Pause for a second. Take that in for a moment. Kind of wrap your brain around that. God knows us. In fact, God knows all about us. Even though you and I hide things from each other, 
And you know, I often, you know, refer to Mrs. Genizzi, Donna, and, and there's nobody that knows me better than her. But I'm going to tell you something. There's some things about me she just doesn't know. And she'll never find out. Because I'm not going to tell her. And you don't know, so you can't tell her. Huh? But he knows everything, everything about me. He knows everything about us. He knows everything about you. And I think what he's saying to Jeremiah is simply this, from birth through life. Look, look at it again. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before you were a thought, I knew you. Huh? And so I think maybe that would be a proof text for the statement or the campaign, he gets us. He gets us. Let's talk about that uh, for a little bit. Uh, We might say it this way, the Lord understands us. Right? But let me back that up with this statement. That doesn't mean he accepts our excuses. Amen. Yeah. Right? He understands us. He gets us. But that doesn't mean he wants to leave us, you know, in the condition we're in. I, 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 I've talked to people before, and, and sometimes they'll say things like this, in excuse for their mediocrity, in excuse for their laziness, in excuse for their apathy, in, in excuse for their indifference, They'll say, well, the Lord understands me. As if God has given them a special permission to be something other than they're supposed to be. Oh, that was good. Huh? No, no, no. He understands us. He gets us. He knows all about us. That doesn't mean he makes exception for us. Amen? Did you get that? Uh, in fact, the Bible tells us this, and I love this Bible verse. I use it often in my own life. The psalmist said this. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, verse 14, he knoweth our frame, he remembers that we're dust. Isn't that good? Every once in a while, when I start to think a little bit too much of myself, I remember that I'm nothing more than dirt. Every, every once in a while, when I, when I feel as if I've disappointed him so, I remember that I'm nothing but dirt. He remembers our frame that were but dust. In fact, the psalmist went on and said in Psalm 139, uh, he speaks about, and I won't go down that verse, but he speaks about God's infinite knowledge of humankind. Did you ever read Psalm 139? The psalmist says, whither shall I flee from your presence if I were to go here, there, or wherever? <laughs> Man, you're there, right? You know about me, you know my ups and downs and all in-betweens? He gets us. He gets us. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say something that I don't know for fact, but I maybe believe. And that is this. Even though, even, jump back if you would. I'm going to throw this, jump back if you would. Go back to the mission statement. Even though, though it doesn't say in this text, he gets us and loves us and died on the cross to save us, I do believe that's the implication. 
I do. I, 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 I like to be a positive person. I, I always want to think of the cup half full. You know, I, I, will, I always want to give the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to be negative Ned. And so the people putting all of their effort and money into this campaign, it can't be just to tell people that Jesus loves them, because if that's all you get, that's not enough. Jesus loved us and went to the cross and died for us. And that makes all the difference. <laughs> Amen? And so I would say this, at the core, if there's a lesson here, if there's a lesson here, he gets us, the lesson would be salvation. Stay with me, guys. Go ahead and take over if you would. I'm done with the, with the remote. Uh, salvation. That's the implication, right? Uh, and and let, let's just talk about that for a moment. Let's talk about that uh, for it. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? You know, when you look at the Scriptures, He knows us, He knows what we need, and He knows that our greatest need is to be saved. Isn't that right? I mean, our, our greatest need is to be saved. And so if we walk that back for a moment, I would say this, it would be to our, it would be to our detriment if we were to assume that people are saved. You know, Jesus never... Jesus never made that assumption. He never assumed when he was in conversation with someone that they got it, that they understood it. And I, I can go back to a place and prove it because he's in conversation with a religious guy in John chapter 3. Remember the story? You remember the guy's name? What was it? John chapter 3. Nicodemus. Who was Nicodemus? Well, modern day, Nicodemus was a member of a fundamental church. He was, he was either a deacon, a trustee, or a staff member. Now, back in his day, he, he was a religious leader. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee, which would equate to today being, you know, a leader in God's church. And not just any church, but a fundamental church. So it's a fundamental church. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking of all the negativity. Now, a fundamental church is a, fun, a fundamental church at the core is a church, John, that believes everything it ought to believe from Scripture. Take away all the phylacteries, take away all the nonsense of you got to wear this and you got to go here and you got to be that and you got to look like this. Take away all. That's not a fundamental church. That's a legalistic church. Amen. A fundamental church is a church that believes the book Amen. and tries to live the book. We're a fundamental church. We're not a legalistic church. Amen? Amen. So here's a, here's a religious guy. He comes to Jesus, you know, and he says, he says, Lord, he says, I got to have this conversation with you because I'm a bit confused. What do I need to do in order to go to heaven? And you know what Jesus said? Dude, you grew up in church. What do you worry about? Your mom and dad. You know, there are members down there at the Bible or the Open Bible Baptist Church. Don't you remember when Dr. Riddell baptized you? Huh? I mean, now you've grown up. You're a leader there. Isn't that what Jesus said to him? No. <laughs> no. You know what Jesus said? Nicodemus said, what do, I, what do I need to do in order to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to go to heaven? 
And, and Jesus said to, Nic uh, to Nicodemus, he said, he said, you must be born again. In other words, what he's saying is this, uh, your religion, your church, and your pedigree can't save you. Did you get that? Look here, look here. We come at Donald, we come in contact with people all the time. And, say, and we say, hey, hey, uh, so tell me a little bit about your background. Well, I go to St. John's, I go to St. Matt's, I go to Open Bible, I go to... Oh, good for you. Really? Good for you? That doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Why? Because no church died on the cross. Only Jesus did. And we make these assumptions that people are saved just because of their connections or their pedigree or their heritage. Boy, I just destroyed that. Or their heritage. But you know what? The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says you must be born again. So let me ask us this morning, church. No hands raised. No heads bowed. Just put a smile on your face as if, are you saved? Has there been a time in your life where you've accepted? Has there been a time in your life where you've dealt with salvation? Come on, you got to get this, man. I think most of us are struggling in, 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 in the Christian life. We got these ups and downs, and they never go away because, simply put, we don't know Jesus. We know things about him. We have our Bibles, and sometimes our Bibles are marked and highlighted and favored verses, but we've not come to a place in our lives where we've gotten saved. Are you saved? Have you been born again? Could you convince a jury that was trying to convict you that you're saved? I mean, you don't have to convince me. Convince you. Have you been born again? Look here. He gets us. He understands us. And he understands that our greatest need is Jesus. And, and yes, it's true. You don't need to have, you don't need to know, you know, what, what, what day was it? What, what was the day of the week? Where, what, where, 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 you know, where, where, where was I at? What time of day was it? You may not have it written down. You know, uh, what's today's date? 23rd. Of July. July. You may not have written down July 23rd, you know, 1923 or 1975 or 1963. You may not have that, but you must know that you're saved. You got to know that. You got to know that. If you get nothing else this morning, you've got to know that. There's been a time where I've had interaction, personal interaction with Jesus I was confronted with the fact that I'm a sinner that needs to be saved. And Jesus opened up his loving arms and showed me his pierced hands and welcomed me into his family. And I got born again. You got to have that. You got to have that. He gets us. Now, if I were a part of that campaign, you know what I'd do? I wouldn't leave it there. I'd come up with another slogan. <laughs> and here's what it would say. Flip it. He's got us. 
He not only gets us, but he's got us. He's got us. I've heard it said many times. You ever hear this? Do you ever say this to somebody? I say it sometimes. I got you, bro. Huh? Anybody ever said, Cole, anybody ever said to you, I got you, bro? So what does that mean? Well, what they're probably saying is this, I got you covered, man. Or I got your back. Or whatever problem or situation was going on, it's taken care of. I got you, man. Huh? Right? I got you. And, and so I think this, I think, you know, when you, when, you, when you take this all into place, Jesus not only gets us, but now that he gets us, he's got us. He's got us. You know, pay attention here. Salvation is a purchase agreement. I get this. I'm going to slow it down for us. Salvation is a purchase agreement. How many of you are saved? You believe you're saved. Go ahead, raise your hand, even if, you don't, even if you don't know you are. Just go ahead and raise your hand. I don't want you to be embarrassed. I don't want you to be embarrassed. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but salvation is a purchase agreement, and we have been redeemed, or we have been purchased, bought back with the redemption price. And you know what the redemption price was? The blood of Christ, right? The blood of Christ. Uh, and as a result of salvation, we now belong to him. Did you ever read 1 Corinthians chapter number 6? Flip it, guys. Look at this Bible verse. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are? Which are? <laughs> which are God's. So, look here. When you get saved, when you come to understand that he gets us and you get saved, now you have to understand, now that you're saved, he's got you. You belong to him. I like the song, uh, now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the... What? Who what? Not for the years of time alone, but for... Eternity. I forgot that middle part there. Thank you, Cyril. Think about that. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. You understand that? I want you to say this. Look to somebody next to you and say, I belong to him. Go ahead. Go ahead. I belong to him. And then I want you to turn back and I want you to say this with a big old, the biggest smile you can put on your face, and he belongs to me. He belongs to me. Isn't that good? You want to go home now? I belong to him. He belongs to me. It can't get much better than that. <laughs> right? Do you ever do this? Did you ever refer to Jesus as Lord? Amen. Think about it. Uh, uh, I would play with words, and I won't, I won't do this. I'd say, I'd say, hey, 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 Billy Bob, um, are you saved? Yeah. How do you know that? Because I've accepted, I have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we'll say, you know, uh, so, oh, so, uh, uh, Betty Sue, uh, who is it that you serve? Who do you worship? I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. But are you aware of the fact that there's a vast difference between calling him Lord and making him Lord? 
Huh? I think this. Uh, go back for a second. He gets us. Or he's got us. He, he's got us. Go to he's got us. He's got us. I think the lesson here, he gets us. The lesson is salvation. I think the lesson here, he's got us, is, go, go, keep going, sanctification. Amen. Because once, once he, he gets you, now he begins to set you and I aside for himself. And we become his. We belong to him. And I believe what happens is through the process of time, because lordship is not automatic. It doesn't come with salvation. Although when you get saved, we say, I'm accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, but him becoming the Lord of your life is a different story. Say amen right there. Huh? I got saved a long time ago, man. It was, it was November 1979 when I got saved. That's a few years back. And you don't know all my testimony, but I'm going to tell you something right now. I was a mess. I, was, I needed to be saved. Now, you're looking at me like you didn't. No, we all came out of the same, you know, sinful background. I was a mess when I got saved. And so, when he came into my life, he began to, I mean, he just began to, he just began to move things around. And, and little by little by little by little, he became Lord. So let me ask you a question now. Don't answer. Is Jesus Christ your Savior? Is Jesus Christ your Lord? He's your Savior when you get saved. He's your Lord when he begins to control your life. And so I guess the better, a better way to ask would be this. Listen to this. Here's a better way to ask the question, is Jesus your Lord? Does Jesus have say-so in your life? Oh, don't jump, don't, don't jump to yes right there. Don't just jump to yes right there. Does Jesus have say-so in your life? That's the starting point. Are you with me? In the back there? Everybody with me back there? That's the starting point. Does he have say-so in your life? That means this, when he comes along and he says, mm, uh, uh, Dave, mm, it's about time that you, it's about time that you, it's about, it's about, you start, and you say, okie-dokie, because you are Lord. Huh? Does he have say-so in your life? And does he have veto power in your life? That's the stopping point. There's a starting point and a stopping point. If he's Lord, Donald, if he's Lord, he comes along and he says, you're lacking this, you need to do this, and you say... Okie dokie, say it. That's what it says in the Bible, Donald. <laughs> Okie dokie. Yes, but then there's times if he's Lord, he might say, veto power. Donald, you need to stop that. You need to stop that. And you say, Okie dokie. You're a quick learner. Huh? Are you with me? Hello? So let's go back. Let me ask you this question Is he Lord? Mm, does he have say-so in your life? And does he have veto power in your life? <whistles> Somebody say, well, that's good. No, mm, that's good. Are you with me? Oh, he gets us. But does he got us? Does he got us? You say, that's bad English. I know, but I like it. 
Does he have us? No. Different question, isn't it? And that would lead me, again, if I'm, if they, if that foundation calls me up after listening to this message, because I'm going to send it to them, <laughs> and they say, can we use that? I'm going to say, well, we're trying to put a new parking lot in, so what do you think? <laughs> right, Steve? Can we get a grant? <laughs> so, he gets us, he's got us, now here is, here's where I would finish it. Are you ready? He's got me. He's got me. Oh, he gets us. And if you're saved, he's got us. But does he have me? Does he have you individually? Listen carefully. I think this, I think we need to understand what our relationship with him should be. (laughs) What our relationship with him should be. I've pastored for a few years now. And I'll be honest with you, for the most part, don't read into this, but for the most part, I love the people I pastor. You got it. You got it. No, I I do. I love them. But God God has placed in in our lives, right, Donna, through the years, people that have been hard to love just so that we learn how to love people that are hard to love. People aren't disposable. And just because we don't get along and just because we don't see eye to eye or just doesn't give me any right not to love them, care for them, and be what I need to be to them. Right? Donna, my, my, my wife's reading a book right now called People That Are Hard to Love. <laughs> Loving people hard to love. Loving people that are hard to love. Isn't it amazing we have to read a book about that? I don't, but she does. I should be reading the book. Honestly, I should have wrote the book. The book was written for me, you know. Uh, But do we understand, do we get what our relationship with Jesus should be? Because I've pastored people down through the years who just don't get it. And I said this a moment ago, let me pick back up on it. There are some of us who think that we, ah, we're just so special that we, there, there's loopholes in here for us. Well, that applies to you, Tyler, but not to me. Uh, now, you've got to love those twins, but I don't have to love those twins because God understands me. Huh? Help me here. So we, let me go back to this. Do we really understand what our relationship with the Lord should be? Let me put it this way. Do we have a a biblical understanding of what our relationship with the Lord should be? That's the key. See, the Christian life is a journey, and, and it's progressive. I know we hate that word progressive, and we hate the word contemporary, you know, because it just, all these flashbacks of everybody being reformed with theology, they're just words, and they're only what you make of them. I mean, we're contemporary Christians. What's that mean? We're alive today, right? If you're not, well, then you, I don't know why you're here. You forgot to get buried. Go, go back to the cemetery where you came from this morning, and, and we're contemporary Christians, and we ought to be progressive. We ought to be making progress on this journey. So Christianity is progressive. Are you with me? 
And we're being led, now pay attention here, we're being led to a place where we can say, I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. That's where we're being led. Uh, we use the words. You ever use these words, all in, I'm all in. Uh, where's Isaac at? Isaac, you here? Isaac's back there. What was the very last message that Brother Shetler preached at the teen thing? Be all in. Hey, teenager, you've got to get, you got to be all in. You know where that begins? When you come to realize, he's got me. I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. He's got me. He's got me. And if we're honest, it doesn't start that way. It doesn't start that way. It doesn't start that way. All right, I got plenty of time left. You know what I was doing when I got saved? Boy, I hate to tell you this about me because I know you have a hard time liking me now. You're going to like me less after this. You know what I was doing when I got saved? I was bartending. I was tending bar. Huh? And I know that blows you away because you thought I was born this way. Shirt, tie, glasses, bald spot, preaching. Now, I grew into this. I grew into this. When I got saved, I was bartending. But I got saved. I got saved. I'll never forget. I got saved, and soon thereafter, I went to work. And guess where I went to work? I know, I was bartending at church. (laughs) Church I went to had a nightclub. I went to work. I went to work. And guess where I went the week after? To work. And the week after that, and month after that, guess where I went? To work. I got saved in November of 1979. By June of 1980, I thought I was losing my mind. I did. I really thought I was cracking up because as I would go to work, John, I was, I was wanting to, I, just, I was getting sick. I didn't want to be there. I did not want to be in that environment. I did not want to be living. I was living in a house. We shared a home with a couple of other guys. I didn't want to be there no more. And I didn't know what was happening. Because when I got saved in November 1979, I didn't get into a really good church like this. I just didn't even go to church. But I got saved. But by June of the following year, is that six months? November, June, seven months. I mean, to tell you, I just, I I don't know what was going on. And I'll never forget this. I called my dad. I was living in New Jersey, by the way. I was living in New Jersey, and I called my dad, and I said, hey, dad. I said, "Uh, you think I can come back home? And I I remember, I remember in his voice hearing, oh, no. (laughs) He didn't say that, but I know he was saying that. And he was saying, why? I said, you know what? I don't know. I just, there's something going on in my life. I don't want to be in, in this environment anymore. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. And my dad said, okay, but you got to get a job right away. Because I was leaving my job here. I said, fine, I'll get a job. I'll pay my own way. And I went back home. And that was the start of God doing something rich and real in my life. Uh, 
Soon thereafter, went to this little Baptist church, and man, the preacher was preaching. I don't understand what he was saying, but he understood what he was saying, and I believed he believed what he believed he was saying. And little by little, I mean little by little, God was grabbing a hold of my heart. God was grabbing a little. Are you with me? Huh? And it came to the place where he was starting to take over little bits and pieces of my life. And I would say this, if we were to attach a lesson to he's got me, it would be surrender. 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 What's it mean to surrender? Pastor, what's it mean to surrender? Now I'm coming around third, I'm almost done. I know you love to hear those words. Here's what it means. At the core, at the very core, surrender means to submit to the authority of another. Right? Go look it up. Surrender. I surrender. What are you doing? You're submitting to the authority of another. Some might say this. Some might say it means to give up or to give in. Right? Biblical surrender is an intelligent decision. Let me say that one more time. Biblical surrender is you and I making an intelligent We're making a choice. We're choosing to submit ourselves to the Lord. It can't get much better than that. You're saying, I want you now to control my life. I surrender. Do you ever sing that song, I Surrender All? I'm going to tell you something about that song. Mm. I think we ought to relate, I think we ought to call it, I will one day surrender all. Did you get that? Huh? I surrender all. All right. How many of us right now, if I sang that song, you're ready right now, ready and willing to come down and surrender all of it. But hopefully, hopefully one day you'll get to the place where you do surrender all. Why do I say that? I say that because of this. Pay attention to this, and I'm done. Surrender is progressive, and it happens in stages. For example, there is what we would call primary surrender. Primary surrender. Salvation. You know what you do with salvation? You surrender. Right? Don't lose me now, please. Follow me through with this thought. At salvation, you surrender. You say, at salvation, you know what? I agree. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior, and I believe that you're willing to save me. I'll surrender to that. I give up the thought that I can save myself. I give up the thought that going to church and being good and doing good deeds is going to help. I surrender that. I give that up, and I come under your authority. You be my Savior. That's primary. Right? But then there is progressive. That's that step-by-step surrender that, stir, that, that occurs in stages. How many of us have been there? You get saved, you start going to church, you hear messages, they make sense, and God says, ah, man, why don't you just give up a little bit of your time and surrender a little bit of your talent, surrender. And you begin to say, okay, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make now, I'm going to come every Sunday morning. I surrender my Sunday mornings to you. You know, and then it goes from there. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe you say this, you know, Lord, I don't understand this tithing thing, but I know I need to contribute somehow, and so I'm going to begin to contribute some of my income. 
Are you with me? And little by little, it's step by step. It goes from one thing to the next. I told you my testimony, how, you know, I would, I would often come down the aisle and I would have, I'd have God worked in my heart and I had uh, one thing I had to give over. Maybe it was a temper and maybe it was, was uh, a little bit of fear or maybe it was a vice. And little by little, I just say, God, here, it's yours. And I like this. I like this. I don't even know if I ever heard this. I think I may have coined this. If I didn't, give me credit for it anyway. It came to the place where he had more of my life than I did. Are you with me? I mean, every time he asked for something and I gave it to him, it was, man, alive. He did better with it than I could. And he replaced it with something better. So much so that you're not paying attention to this and some of you can care less, and I'm offended by that, but so much so that he now has more of my life than I do. And you know what that gets you to? Pay attention right here and I'm done. That gets you to positional surrender. So there's primary surrender, there's progressive surrender, and then there's positional surrender. And here's positional surrender. Surrender has now become my posture. Or in other words, we live for the most part a surrendered life. Lord, whatever your will is. Whatever you will. Me and Donna, I promise you now, we're getting, you know, we've been empty nesters and and life is going on, and we're getting older, and more and more and more and more, Chuck, now more and more my discussion with her always ends with, listen, if that's what God's will is for us, if that's what God wants us to do, that's what we're going to do. Why? It's positional surrender. But boy, I tell you what, it wasn't always that way. It wasn't always that way. Never forget when she wanted me to buy a minivan. I ain't buying a minivan. I'm not driving a minivan. No possible way am I getting it. I'm going to be old. I don't want a minivan. I don't want to offend any minivan drivers. God bless you. <laughs> but you know how it is when it's your first one. It's like you're surrendering. Giving up my sports car, man. I'm 69 Camaro, four-barrel, 320. I'm giving up for a, a minivan. And we bought our first minivan. was a was a, an eggplant-colored caravan. Felt like a farmer driving down the road with that, selling vegetables. Huh? Right? But now, it didn't really matter. Glad I got a car. I'm glad I have enough sense to drive. Glad everything is still working where it ought to work so they don't take my license away. Positional. Surrender. Why? He's got me. Look here. You fill you in on something. If you're saved, that's where he wants you to be one day. You may not be there right now, and that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. He's got you. But when you understand, he's got me, it makes all the difference. And it helps you to sleep better. <laughs> it helps you to make better decisions. It helps you to accept things that moving to Florida to New Jersey. I'll be honest with you, I'm still struggling with that one. I'm okay for the most part. <laughs> I still haven't buried it. You know, I'm still, I'm, still at the, I'm still at the memorial service sometimes. I haven't been to the cemetery. You know, I go to the cemetery and leave. I'm going back to the memorial service. Uh, 
Are you with me? But no better place to live. Old Testament story, 1 Kings chapter 20. I've said this three times. I'm going to say it again. I'm almost finished. 1 Kings chapter number 20, simple story. The king of Syria, whose name was Ben-Hadad, confronts the king of Israel, whose name was Ahab. And in the conversation, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, says to Ahab, king of Israel, in verse 3 of chapter 20, he says this. He says, thy silver and thy gold are mine, your wives also and your children, even the goodliest, are mine. Remember Ahab? Remember his wife? What was her name? Listen to his response. The king says, Ben-Hadad says, everything you have is mine. And, and Ahab said this, the king of Israel answered and said, my Lord, according to your saying, I am thine and all that I have. You know what that's called? Absolute surrender. I am thine. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice. I am thine and all that I have is thine. Have you gotten to that place yet, church? That's total surrender. And that's eventually where he wants us to be, totally surrendered to him. He gets us, but do we, do we get him? He gets us, but does he have us? Can you say with confidence today, he's got me. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.